We picked democracy for a reason. Some people would like an alternative and they're not being provided one. And I think that Stuart pointed out the hypocrisy of that. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Monday, February 19th, which means it's Media Monday. Today, John Kelly and I score Jon Stewart's return to The Daily Show, which is getting rave reviews, despite my earlier prediction that Stewart's return to the cable throne wouldn't work. John and I also talk about why Warren Buffett decided to dump some of his stake in Paramount. And we also dig into whether the NBA will renew its broadcast deals with ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery or look elsewhere. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting The Gentleman. The new series from Guy Ritchie stars Emmy nominee Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings. Eddie Horniman, played by Theo James, unexpectedly inherits his father's estate, only to discover it's part of a cannabis empire. And Britain's criminal underworld wants a piece of the operation, forcing Eddie to play the gangsters at their own game. Now available only on Netflix. Monday, everybody. If it's Monday, it is Media Monday, of course. I'm joined by the puck boss man, John Kelly, to talk about all things media. John, I want to start this episode with a little bit of a mea culpa. Uh, Dylan Byers and I, a couple weeks ago, did a pretty lengthy back and forth on the, you know, the bull and the bear markets for how well John Stewart would do in his return to The Daily Show. I was sort of of the mind you know, times have changed, media has changed, the tone of commentary and comedy has changed since The Daily Show peaked like 20 years ago. You know what? At least going by this first episode that Jon Stewart came back last Monday, it was pretty good. And we'll see how he does tonight. But I, you know, I, my friends were texting me about it. I was like, how did you even know this was on TV? Do you, like my friends who still cable, they were just sort of flipping around from watching like late night college basketball or something. But he made fun of Trump, he made fun of Biden, he put all of it in context, uh, he was sort of drilling down on the age thing, of course, while also doing a little bit of proselytizing about like how important it is to stay vigilant in our democracy, but it didn't feel tedious, it didn't feel saccharine, I laughed, he did a good job pulling clips, what'd you think? Well, I actually, I was on your side of the argument originally that, um, you know, Stewart has his, like, absolute legions of fans, um, I didn't view this return as a, a, a sign of strength. It, it seemed like it was a guy who wanted to be relevant in the culture again, and it was a, 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 sh- a shingle on a, on a declining business. Um, th- this Biden segment, this you know sort of eight-minute monologue, is making the rounds. I mean, uh, our colleague Tara had a piece about how it's really making the rounds among the kind of Cafe Milano crowd. But I do think it's early to judge whether this is going to be a success or not. You know that this is me talking my book a little bit, but my feeling is um, I don't know why Stewart had to do this in that seat at The Daily Show. I think if we're thinking about this from a, a business perspective, I'm not saying that everyone should go on X like mm-hmm. Tucker Carlson or, uh, or Don Lemon, but um, there's a world in which he could have been just as viral 
hate that word, but that's what this was. And and I think really just as influential on his own O and O properties. Obviously, um, the, the trouble with Apple TV Plus, which is where he was before, was you know um, too much of a walled garden. Apple offers golden handcuffs for creators, pays them so much money, but that's the smallest audience. I think it's thirty or forty million subscribers, um, and I think that you know, Stewart could have done whatever he wanted. Uh, people, you know, guys of his generation are certainly inclined to um, to still value old media. But uh, I will say this, and I think this is where we're headed here, that monologue really, um, I mean, the timing was phenomenal for, for Stewart when uh, the, the segment area was going on in the culture. But um, I think that this is going to be impactful. And I think that he's sort of found a, a lead motif, to use a, a puck word, uh, to uh, that he's going to continue on um, as we march forward to November. Yeah, I think if you're the if you're a Democrat, if you're the Biden White House, the thing that is most uh, frightening about this. And look, they had the highest ratings in six years, I believe, for The Daily Show. Total viewers, almost a million, which is pretty good for that time slot. The most watched late night basic cable program since 2016, according to Nielsen. Mm-hmm. We'll see if those numbers sustain. The power of The Daily Show with Stewart, but also with Trevor Noah, and Baratunde and I talked about this because he actually worked on the digital product for Trevor Noah, isn't just the people watching on television it's the distribution after the fact and like the biggest weakness for biden in a media context isn't just his age it's the fact that there are videos of him acting his age and john stewart is just going to feast on any video of biden shuffling around and mumbling etc etc we'll see maybe he gets tired of doing that maybe the shtick gets old but yeah, generally, he did what he sort of promised and what the original promise of the show was, was not to just make fun of Republicans, but to sort of poke holes in the discourse uh, and and the zeitgeist. And Biden is absolutely a part of that. There were some, you know, resistance type liberals on Twitter, um, you know, like Keith Olbermann and Mary Trump, who were like, this, this is both sides nonsense. Get out of here. Kind of forgetting the fact that Bill Maher did also used to make fun of Democrats back in the day. And that that's sure. that's the main thing that I was actually hoping for because political comedy is actually really fucking simplistic and stupid these days. It's like Trump impressions, making fun of Donald Trump and not se- stepping back and looking at the big picture. And I feel like Stewart did a pretty good job of that, at least for the debut and a pretty quick turnaround too from the announcement. I mean, it was like a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden there he was in the chair. Yeah. Well, they wanted to get him in after the Super Bowl. That was the um, that Got was the initial strategy. And, and my guess is that the, the deal came together really, really fast. Because as you recall, he was uh, he was cut from Apple, you know, only a, a number of months ago. But just one detail there, you know, we, we taped last week. You know, a, a spoiler for our ardent loyal listeners: we don't actually tape the show at three a.m. on Monday mornings. So <laughs> we taped it in, in the middle of the stream as uh, the surrogates for Biden. People I like and respect a lot. David Plouffe, Jen Psaki, et cetera, were out there defending the president. And I have to say, uh, Stewart reflects, you know, not that it really matter, but my own beliefs about this, that that the, the White House's key talking point, you know, has been, hey, our guy's old and a, a little uh, tired and dottery sometimes, but look at the other guy. Mm-hmm. And Stewart pushed him inward, which which is my main complaint, that the if you want to compare the parties, the Republican establishment did everything possible to provide an alternative to Donald Trump. 
they stuffed money in, in retrospect, fraudulent Ron DeSantis piggy bank. You know, um, I, I think if you if you were really honest with oneself, dating back to the Miami uh, convening of, of his candidacy, nobody thought this guy really had the chops. Yes, he won a landslide election, but I mean, you know, he's he's this unhappy little guy trolling around the perimeter of the party. He's, he's, he's nothing about him uh, reeks of presidential behavior. But they did everything possible to anoint him to anoint Tim Scott to Nikki Haley. The Democrats really ever since I think. Obama's second term have been a top-down organization. You know, Biden wanted to run for president in 2016 until Obama said, no way, dude. And then, um, you know, Hillary uh, was anointed and they treated the very, very, very real uh, Bernie threat in 2016 like it was just a mosquito uh, on her shoulder, which it was not. Nancy Pelosi sort of served uh, served in the interim as the the, the party leader when, when Trump was in the White House. And the bridge, which we've completely forgotten about, um, that, that Biden ran upon in 2020, has been uh, erased. And the Democratic establishment didn't even countenance an alternative here. You have people like Pritzker and Newsom and Whitmer waiting on the sidelines for like a catastrophe to happen. So the, the establishment has not tolerated any sort of choice among the voters here. And I think that that is a, a worthwhile complaint. This, this is, uh, we picked democracy for a reason. Some people would like an alternative and they're not being provided one. And I think that Stewart pointed out the hypocrisy of that. Anyway, that is my TED Talk, Peter. Um, now it's off my chest and, and maybe one million people will watch this on YouTube too. The old axiom used to be uh, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. And that's been turned right. on its head. You know, Democrats fall in line and Republicans are in love with Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> I want to take a quick break, John, and we'll come back. We're going to talk about Warren Buffett. And Paramount, he dumped his shares in Paramount, some of them at least. And also the up for grabs rights to the NBA. Who's going to get them? This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting the new series, The Gentleman. Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings star in what The Playlist calls an entertaining crime comedy filled with style, panache, and laughs. The Evening Standard raves, The Gentleman is peak Guy Ritchie, impossible not to love. Now available only on Netflix. Hey guys, it's Peter. When I'm not recording the pod, let's be honest, I'm probably snacking, I get hungry. But when I can steal some moments during the day, I do like to eat healthy. And eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. And this is big, no cooking required. I recommend the smoothies. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. These are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are are pancakes i love pancakes more than waffles more than french toast a couple of my favorites so far the red chili chicken tamale bowl and the smoky bacon and cheddar egg bites i love egg bites discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more no prep no mess meals factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping cooking or cleanup needed 
So sign up and save. Head to factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 and use code powers that be 50 to get 50% off. That's code powers that be 50 at factormeals.com slash powers that be 50 to get 50% off. Welcome back to the powers that be, everybody. It's Media Monday. I'm joined by John Kelly. Who else? John. The Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, dumped about a third of his stake in Paramount a few mm. days ago. You know, anytime Warren Buffett does something, the markets react. Uh, you know, Paramount's market cap went down immediately because he's apparently the smartest person in the entire world when it comes to business. Paramount is obviously being shopped around. The media entities are uh, by Sherry. What's your take on why Warren... Uh, dumped some of the stock. Well, Berkshire Hathaway, um, which is truly you know, synonymous with, with Warren Buffett, was the largest individual shareholder in Paramount. Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about why the company took that position. Um, I'm sort of piggybacking off of Bill's theory here, which is that the, the generation beneath Buffett and, and the late Charlie Munger wanted to make the investment because the presumption was that they would that, that Paramount was going to sell and, and there would be a... Um, uh, a mini boom into the stock and everyone would do well. The stock was down like 30 or 40% and Buffett sold by a third, as you said, he probably still owns about 10% of Paramount. He may still be the large individual, largest individual shareholder. Um, I can't remember how much Mario Gabelli owns, but it's it's in the ballpark. I'll tell you, it's a lot more than Sherry Redstone owns. Um, they bought into the stock when it was around 14 billion market cap. It's, I mean, I can't believe my eyes. It's eight point three billion uh, as an eight point three billion dollar market valuation now plus fifty billion in debt. Uh, why did Warren Buffett sell the stock? Because this company is a it, it's a disaster. Um, mm-hmm. This is a disaster. We just talked about Stewart in the previous segment. Uh, that this is part of my apoplexy with why he'd go back to Comedy Central. Paramount is like one of those old English Downton Abbey-ish estates that was was unbelievable once, but now it's all this land and there's a barn over here and farm animals over there and. And the, the the servants' quarters and the grass hasn't been mowed in in you know sixty four years. It's it, it's gone from Down Abbey to, to to Miss Havisham. And um, uh, <laughs> Warren Buffett probably did not meet the headache anymore. And I'm sure that he said to these two whippersnappers, uh, who are probably you know the next generation in their sixties now, "What are you guys fucking around for? If you do this again, you're going to be working at Amway." I can always count on you for a good Dickens reference uh, at our modern <laughs> media company. Last thing, John, I want to talk to you about uh, our boy, John Orend, uh, who is our uh, new sports business correspondent, our partner, our now friend, the author of The Varsity. Yeah. Please sign up if you care about the business of sports, which is really a media story. Um, he was out in Indianapolis. Indiana, of course, you know, one of the country's cradles of basketball. The NBA All-Star Weekend was out there. John was out there. The rights to uh, NBA broadcasts are up for renewal. Um, ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery, TNT, uh, under that umbrella, obviously have NBA rights right now. John sort of riffs on whether the NBA and Adam Silver are going to re-up with those broadcasters, which feels like a comfortable home. I mean, I like ESPN's broadcast. The the TNT broadcast with Shaq and Barkley and the gang is probably one of the best, (laughs) you know, studio teams in sports broadcasting. Do you think it'll change? Like, will they like throw some yeah. some games to Amazon, uh, or is this just are we settling for another five six years of ESPN and Chuck? Um, I think that it's 
The big question that John points out, and the negotiating window with the two existing partners, Warner Brothers Discovery and Disney, starts in, in a matter of weeks. Um, so they get the exclusive window. Big question here is, does the NBA go from three media partners to four? If it's just three, it's going to be almost certainly ESPN, ABC will, will be the main partner. And, I should have um, mentioned ABC, and, right, right. And and they're the, they're the key partner now. Uh, don't forget, they're operating off of a deal that I believe they renewed in around 2014 for just ESPN for $24 billion. So it's like $2.7 billion uh, a year in my back of the envelope math. And that's how vital it is. And if ESPN is going to spin off this own streaming service, they need this. Zaz uh, wants to continue to invest in sports. Uh, uh-huh. Orond also pointed out that in addition to the studio show, it, and, and Charles Barkley is under, a, a, I think now, a new like tenure contract. There's an out if they don't get the rights for some reason. But they want to move some NBA action to True TV too. I imagine part of this is for the Spoolu bundle. Part of this is also to, to be able to charge more from cable providers so they can put True in the package in addition to the other cable assets, TNT and TBS, which also have sports components. If they go to a fourth, and this is the big question, if they go to a fourth, are we talking about Apple or YouTube, uh, mm. both of whom obviously are, you know, the two of the five largest, you know, market cap companies in the world. Uh, and, and it's also seen as very likely that Amazon will try and buy exclusive rights to like early round, you know, maybe they'll get like the, the, the play in game or, or the first round of the conference playoffs. But here's the, actually, there are two really interesting things when you dig deeper, because uh, it's not just a story about greed. The national money matters. And it's interesting because the NBA, like the NFL, realizes that as much as it seems to um, have all the bargaining power in the world, it does fear the jump to streaming because of uh, a deep belief that they need large audiences on broadcast. Obviously, the audiences are bigger on, on ABC and, and presumably on NBC. You know, I think we both grew up with that John Tesh music and you know, to <laughs> me, Sundays and Michael Jordan and NBC yeah, and yeah. Ahmad Rashad, you know, like it's such a part of our fabric. But you know, they, they believe they need it. Whether they actually do or not, I don't know. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of data points to make them believe it. Um, and, you know, there, there were theories a long time ago that, like, some of these leagues would vertically integrate and control their media rights. They're not. They're, they're going to they're gonna become um, sellers. And, uh, um, and the other piece of this, too, is that the overall national number will go up, right? That 2.7 the ESPN paid, is that going to turn into four a year? I, I don't know. I think the, the, the WBD deal, I've, I've been hearing around three and change, but it, it can oscillate wildly. That matters for the franchises because in all but the biggest markets, everyone believes that regional sports networks are going away. I mean, they just are. And so mm-hmm. the local media relationships will decline and that's a big part of the overall pie that's the abiding theory about why mark cuban sold he realized yes there's guaranteed money through the national partnerships but they can't count on the you know 800 to a billion dollars i'm doing fuzzy math here that they used to get from whether it's Bally's or you know whatever other RSN, Comcast, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they have to diversify. So, but it, it won't affect the on-field product, uh, the on-court product, which is great because there are, um, you know, much more rigid salary cap restrictions in the NBA where there's like a, a max and a luxury tax, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in baseball, where the exact same thing is happening with lower economics, um, there is no salary cap as the Dodgers, you know, continue to remind us. And so like, the Dodgers will become an all-world team, and the Royals, to, to pick one example, they, they'll have a payroll of you know forty or fifty million dollars, or else they'll be in the in the red. So it, it's a it's a really really 
narrow um, you know, needle that Adam Silver is, is trying to sort of thread here. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Totally, totally agree. Uh, all right, well, it's the All-Star break coming back. Your New York Knickerbockers are 10 games out of first. It's not bad. Uh, hopefully they get the you know home court advantage in the playoffs in the final stretch. I assume you're a Knicks fan. Of course, I, I grew up in the greatest generation. I, mean, I can still um, I can remember where I was when John Starks went like you know three of thirty seven in the in that Rocket series. And and yes, this is definitely the the best team we've had since you know nineteen ninety nine probably. Yeah, you basically just reconstituted like most of the Villanova starting five from when they won the national title. I, I was a real seller on Tibbs when we got him. I thought it was going to be a disaster. And I'm, I'm man enough to, to admit when I'm wrong. Adam Mendelson, if you're listening, send us your takes. John, uh, I will see you in New York City tomorrow night for a very special puck event uh, with DJ Desol and our very own uh, Bill Cohen. I'll see you tomorrow. See you then, buddy. Can't wait. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.